You're listening to teaching from Castle Hills Christian Church in San Antonio, Texas. More information about Castle Hills Christian Church is available at chccsa.com. Dear Church, this is the message from the one who is the first and the last, who is dead but is now alive. I know all the things you do. I've seen your love, your faith, your service, and your patient endurance, and I can see your constant improvement in all these things. Go back to what you heard and believed at first. Hold to it firmly. Repent and turn to me again. I correct and discipline everyone I love, so be diligent and turn from your indifference. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Last week, we started a series called Dear Church, and we talked about how God pinned seven unique letters to the churches of Revelation. And today we're talking about a letter that he pinned to Smyrna. Smyrna was a port city. You had a lot of goods that came in and out. It was located about 35 miles north of Ephesus. It was a beautiful city, long straight streets, a beautiful architecture. Its nickname was the Glory of Asia. It had uh, temples and it had libraries and it had a beautiful uh, athletic complex. The largest uh, public theater uh, in all of Asia Minor with about 20,000 people. It was known for its schools of medicine and science. Uh, their motto was, we are first in beauty and first in emperor worship. And you get the sense that they were a pretty arrogant city, uh, that they loved themselves. They said, hey, I'm beautiful. Our city's beautiful. And they very valued emperor worship. It was also a very wealthy city, a lot of trade guilds, a lot of merchants, and to be a part of these trade guilds, you had to pledge allegiance to a pagan deity and or the emperor of the time, which this made it very difficult for Christians to join because they weren't willing to do this. And so this impacted them economically, which made many of them poor. And the emperor worship was so ingrained in the city that in AD 26, they actually competed for a temple for Tiberius. It was kind of like a city competing to get the Olympics. And so it was a really big deal, and they actually won. And so you, you just see time and time again with the city that emperor worship was so important. In fact, it was so, so important that they required it for a period of time where you had to go to the temple, you would burn incense, and you'd say, Caesar is Lord, and then you would get your certificate. And if you didn't, yeah, you were in trouble. I mean, you could be punished by death, thrown in prison. You're going to be persecuted for, uh, for not doing this. Some of you might be thinking, well, what about the Jews? Uh, were they persecuted? Well, they actually got an exemption. Uh, Caesar said, we know that you only worship one God. You only have one Lord, and so you're not required to do this. Uh, for a period of time, Christians rode the coattails of the Jews, and they weren't really messed with for a period of time. But then the Jews eventually came and said, uh, they're not really part of us. 
And then the persecution began to start uh, for Christians. And so that's just a little bit of background as we go into reading this letter. So if you have your Bibles, Revelation chapter 2, starting at verse 8, it says, Write this letter to the angel of the church of Smyrna. This is the message from the one uh, who is the first and the last. Your translation might say Alpha and Omega, who was dead but is now alive. And I, and I love this description uh, here. We see that we have a God that is not just the God of the moment, but there is God of every moment. Not a God of uh, just this moment, but a God of every moment, past, present, and future. And that, that's who's writing this. Verse 9, it says, I know about your suffering and your poverty. Why are they poor? Again, they're not willing to, uh, they're not willing to worship the emperor of the time. But you are rich. I know the blasphemy of some of those who are opposing you. I say they are, I say they are Jews, but they, they are not because their synagogue belongs to Satan. And so not only are they being persecuted by the people of the town, but even the Jews have turned their back. I think the Jews were the, were the ones that said, hey, they're not part of us. And, and that's one of the reasons why they're being persecuted right now. Have you ever been to a place where you felt like you're an outsider? Maybe you went to visit a new city and, and you just realized you didn't really fit in. There was just something different about it. Or maybe you went to a different uh, country and you were visiting it and, and you just felt uncomfortable. Uh, some of you went to a new school or maybe even a church and you went in and, and you just felt like an insider. You just didn't feel comfortable. Well, I get that picture with Christians in Smyrna that they were outsiders, that they didn't really feel comfortable, uh, that they were constantly on edge. They were ostracized by so many people in the city. Now, when, when we continue to read, even though they're going through this, in verse 12, it says, don't be afraid of what you're about to suffer. I, I love those words, don't be afraid. Uh, we see them repeated in scripture. Don't be afraid. Yes, life is tough, Life is tough, but we don't have to be afraid. He said, don't be afraid. You are about to suffer. The devil will throw some of you into prison to test you. You will suffer for 10 days. But if you remain faithful, even when facing death, I will give you the crown of life. And anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand that he is saying to the churches, whoever is victorious will not be harmed by the second death. Now, how many of you, if you had a choice to hear bad news or good news first, what would you want? I'm the type that I always want to hear bad news first. Just rip off the band-aid, tell me what's going on, and then eventually I want to hear the good news. And well, in this, we're going to see that God says, there's some bad news. You're going to suffer. You're going to go to prison. And there's going to be some tough times. Now, notice that you're going to suffer for 10 days. And this is one of those phrases that we're not sure exactly what John means. There's been a lot of things written about this. Is it literally a 10-day period? Is it 10 rulers? Is it 10 years? Uh, is it a short period of time that this isn't going to last forever? That's kind of where I lean. Um, but it's just one of those puzzling uh, phrases that John writes in this letter. Now, he goes from bad news to, to actually even more bad news. He says, not only are you going to be in prison, not only are you going to suffer, but some of you, you're going to have your life threatened. You're going to die. It's going to be tough. But here's the good news. You're going to get the crown of life. 
When you suffer for me, when you die, when you're martyred, you get the crown of life. So often in our culture, we act like death is the worst thing in the world. But as a Christian, it's not. It's not a bad thing. I want us to kind of think, what is the worst thing? I've been thinking about that because I know death isn't the worst thing. And I've wondered, is it living a life that doesn't really make an impact on the world? Is it wasting the life that God has given us? Wasting the hours, the minutes, where we get so distracted on things that don't matter? This year we've been talking about living a focused life. With living a life, with keeping in mind, trying to have an eternal perspective on life, trying to make an eternal impact on the days, the minutes, the months that we have, the years that God gives us. And so when, when we think about death, I think we have to realize, especially as Christians, it's no big deal. I mean, we get to be in the presence of God. Maybe the bigger tragic thing that's happening is so many people are distracted and wasting their life, wasting the minutes and the hours in their life. So what if we as Christians, we had that eternal perspective? What if we lived that focused life? Now, many of you in this room or many of you watching may not be experiencing the same persecution as Smyrna. Um, but we've probably all had times that we tried to do the right thing, um, but bad things happened to us. Maybe it was at work. You're, you're having integrity in your work, um, but you're being passed over for the promotion. And the person who gets the promotion uh, is always cutting corners. And they're not a good person. You're like, God, look at me. I, I, I'm trying to do my best. I'm trying to take the high road. And, and someone else is, is the one that's getting the, the promotion, is getting the praise. Maybe it's in your family life. Maybe you're, you're trying to take the high road and dealing with your marriage or a family issue. And, and it just seems like people are uh, making fun of you, bringing, uh, bringing your uh, name through the mud. And it just seems wrong. I think many of us, we go through hard times, even when we're doing the right thing, sometimes we're going to go through pain and suffering. And so what does this passage teach us? I think, first of all, it teaches us to be courageous. It teaches us to be brave. It teaches us to step out in faith, to to not cater to fear and worry. But it also teaches us to be faithful, to to not give up, to, to keep on persevering. Uh, I I love this quote uh, by Adam Turner. He's a pastor. He said, trouble with Jesus is better than trouble without Jesus. Trouble with Jesus is better, uh, trouble with Jesus is better than trouble without Jesus. One of the things I love about CHCC is when we're going through uh, problems in our life, we have a family that rallies around each other. And we pray for each other and we encourage each other and we do everything that we can to help each other. And that, that's one of the special things about being a part of a family here at Castle Hills is we remind each other, hey, you're not alone. Jesus is there for you and you have this church family. And I know some of you watching right now, maybe you feel isolated. Maybe you feel alone. I, I want to remind you that you're not alone, that Jesus is walking with you. And we as a church family, we care about you. We want to encourage you. We want to pray for you. I've read this story by Mark Batterson. And he says in 
155 AD, there were some Roman bounty hunters that were, hard, that were tracking down the Bishop of Smyrna. Uh, his name was Polycarp. And he invited them into his house, uh, had a meal with them. He said, before you take me, uh, I, is it possible that I pray for an hour? Well, he ended up not just praying for one hour, he ended up praying for two hours. And some of these bounty hunters ended up coming to know Christ. Not all of them, because right after that, uh, they ended up arresting him. They ended up binding his uh, hands and dragging him to the Colosseum in Smyrna. And the Roman proconsul uh, told him to recant his faith or, that, or uh, to recant his faith so that he could spare his life. And Polycarp said, Eighty in six years I have served him. I, I've served the Lord. And he has done me no wrong. How can I blaspheme my king who saved me? Well, the die was cast and the crown began to chant, Loosen the lion! Loosen the lion! And, and, and then uh, in that Colosseum, supposedly, they heard a voice, uh, a voice from heaven that said, be strong, Polycarp, be strong. And, and that's what Polycarp did. Uh, the Roman council chose death by fire and the fire was lit and, and Polycarp prayed this prayer. He said, I give thanks to you. I give thanks that you count me worthy to be numbered among your martyrs. And so often, again, we think that death is a bad thing. Well, we think persecution is a bad thing. But we see uh, the faith grow when persecution takes place. Now, the plot thickens a little bit. According to tradition, Polycarp was discipled uh, by John the Beloved the Apostle John. And I believe that John wrote this letter to the church in Smyrna, but Polycarp didn't just read this letter. He heard John's voice. And I can't help but think that his words gave him the courage to keep on going, to even lose his life for the gospel. Let me end with, with this story. Now, on September 4th, 1987, now, there was a little commuter plane that was uh, going from Maine to Boston. And the plane was empty or didn't have any passengers, and they were flying along, and, and all of a sudden they hear this noise, this banging noise, and so the pilot goes to the back of the plane to, to check it out, or he, he's trying to figure out what it is. And about that time, he hit turbulence. And, and as, as he hit the turbulence, and he ended up being thrown against the back door. Well, guess what? The back door goes flying open. Most likely that noise was the door rattling. And so uh, the back door opens and the other pilot looks back and sees the door open. And of course, his eyes get wide and, and he calls for an emergency landing. He calls for the Coast Guard to come and look for, his, uh, for the other pilot. Now, now, here's the crazy part is that this pilot uh, that, uh, that got thrown out actually didn't get thrown out uh, into the ocean or into the water. And he was actually able to hold on to the plane stairs underneath. Now, I, I want to mention this. Uh, the plane was going 190 miles an hour. It was 4,000 feet up, and it took about 10 minutes to land. And Henry Dempsey was this man that held on 
uh, that was holding on to these stairs at that speed, 190 miles an hour, uh, again, 4,000 feet up in the air. And, and they land the plane. They don't realize that he's holding on. He's about 12 inches uh, off the runway. And, and eventually they find him. And they said they had to ply, they had to basically move each finger off of uh, the, the uh, stairs that he was holding. Uh, he was holding on that tight. And, and I heard this story and I thought, you know what, that's what some of us need to hear right now. Some of you are going through hard times. Some of you, and life is very, very difficult. You have a health issue. You have a marriage issue. You have a financial issue. You've you got some drama in your life. And we need to be like Henry Dempsey that, that was just holding on. And I believe that this passage, this, this letter that God wrote, reminds us that we need to hold on. 